Transformers Nitpickers Podcast Show. I'm Paul. I'm John. And today it is episode 11 of Transformers Cybertron. It is deep. This episode was written by Manabu Ishikawa, and the last time on Transformers Cybertron, Dirt Dog Scourge, Snarl Undermine, Pseudo Smallfoot, Fake Atlantis Pattern. And in this episode, <laughs> uh, the discovery of that Atlantis Pattern underwater from the end of the last episode prompts the kids to tell the Autobots all about the legend of Atlantis. Yeah, because Kobe thinks this must be the real one if it's where Atlantis is, and it yeah, apparently Atlantis, people could do all this crazy shit back in the day. And it's the typical lo stuff. Lo and behold, this is somewhere in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. And uh, Laurie and Bud explain what that is to the Autobots. And again, Kobe's right nervous, right? Yeah. Like, he's scared. Yeah, Bud <laughs> keeps uh, teasing him about monsters in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, but the Autobots decide this is worth our time to check out because they follow every lead. <laughs> um, and we have our big launch animation. Yep, they open all the mountainsides and lift the bridges and go up the elevators and Scattershot just loves this part. And even Jetfire's like, you know what? It is pretty cool. I love how they're commenting on this every single time. Or not every time, but every once in a while, they're kind of just commenting on, like, is this going to take this long? Or, like, this is the fun <laughs> part, and just shit like that. So while this is happening, Starscream does notice the whole launch. He says, I'm going to I'm gonna tell uh, Megatron. And we go to Overhaul, who is on Jungle Planet and lying on the ground when I'm yeah. pretty sure we left him hanging on the edge of a cliff over a pool of lava. Well, it was like a, a rumble-style G1 chasm that just kind of opens up between whoever it is his legs and they fall in, right? But, I mean, how many times did that happen to Bumblebee? At least once. But, uh, yeah, he comes to and... That thing's nowhere to be seen, and there's a rhinoceros standing there looking at him. It's right, it's a brand new toy, it's a brand new Transformer, it's Backstop! Rhinox? Backstop! Rhinox. Backstop! Rhinox. Backstop! R-H-I-B-A-C! Would you two eat my shorts? What's important is that, yeah, he, he befriends Overhaul, basically after Overhaul wants to beat him up, but he's 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 pretty chill. Well, yeah, because he get, Overhaul tells him, my name's Overhaul, I'm from Cybertron, backs up, never heard of it. And there's explosions in the distance, and Overhaul asks what's happening, and Backstop pretty much just says the planet is geologically active, that's what happened to you before, that's how I found you. And Overhaul stands, transforms, and Backstop finds his vehicle mode familiar. But when Overhaul tries to drive, something shorts out and he has to transform back. Now, when that happened, I was like, oh, are we doing a Beast Wars thing here where the planet's energon doesn't allow you to be in a certain mode? Oh, yeah, because he does kind of start to spark. Yeah, I never even right? thought of that. But what I did really like about this scene is that Backstop describes a geologically active planet as alive and living. Like, that's, it's just a, an interesting idea on how a cybernetic organism would view, that came from, like, a metal planet might view geologic geological activity anyway but yeah now back at the temple everybody's outside getting some fresh air i guess and megatron offers to go a few rounds with scourge if that's what he really wants and there's another new guy here in the background i don't think he gets a name though but uh, scourge leaps at megatron who just stands there and stands there and then it's kind of hard to see 
tell what he does, but does he teleport out of the way? Because one minute he's in front of Scourge and then he's behind him and he throws a punch that stops like an inch from Scourge's face. I think it's it's just bad animation, but it's like that thing where we just cut to him moving and whoosh and he's so fast that boom, he's there. Yeah, fist in the face. And this is when Scourge realizes Megatron's potential for massive power. Yep. And these other beast bots, whatever they are, they all start clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Except for one of them. One of them looks really uh, pissed. Uh, but then Starscream calls in and uh, Megatron says, uh, oh, uh, this is an interesting news that the Autobots are going underwater. I shall join. Yeah, he'll be there in a minute and he's one step closer to absolute power, which doesn't seem to sit well with Snarl because it zooms in on his face. Yes, that's what I meant when I said one of them doesn't like it earlier. It's Snarl who's like, grumble, grumble. Although Snarl's kind of got resting bee face. But <laughs> uh, we then go to backstop and overhaul. They're talking a bit and... I guess I'd mentioned overhaul coming for Cybertron earlier. Or, or, sorry, backstop. He doesn't. He's never even heard of Cybertron. But uh, And also he thinks that the power of Primus, which apparently he has heard of, is too dangerous for any one being to wield on their own. And then Snarl just comes running up the hill in wolf mode, and he's like, who's this? And backstop says, well, it's okay. This is overhaul, whatever. And Snarl transforms and says, oh, I know why he's on our planet. He wants the cyber planet key like his friend does. Yes, his friend Megatron, to which offends overhaul. And he's like, hey, fuck that guy. I don't like Megatron. I'm not his buddy. Um, and that's when uh, um, Backstop is like, hey, everybody chill, everybody chill. Overhaul, this is Snarl. He's my apprentice, and he's actually spying on Scourge. Yeah, he's been working as a double agent, and Snarl thinks Megatron is trying to trick Scourge into giving him the Cyber Planet key, and Backstop thinks questing for the keys can only end in tears, and Overhaul says, well, they can save the universe, and Backstop counters with, or they could destroy it. <gasps> Is, is this a commercial break? Might be. It's around here. But yeah, he uses Scourge as an example. This ruthless dictator Scourge, he has all the power he needs to unite the entire planet and everyone can live in peace, but he instead rules as a dictator and holds all the power for himself. This is the commercial break. Whatever. Anyway, we go to the Autobots and they're at a seaside cliff. And uh, you know what? Actually, this is this was where, where Tubi put the commercial break in. So that's what I'm going <laughs> with. Uh, the Autobots are at a seaside cliff. And Scattershot is scared because he's never been underwater, you know, and reminds them, hey, remember Cybertron doesn't have any oceans. But that means, like, none of them have been underwater. Well, yeah, but they dive into the ocean in vehicle mode, and Scattershot at me is like, yeah, this was a great idea. All we're doing is sinking. And <laughs> they transform, and now their tires are keeping them from sinking. I guess it works in robot mode, but not vehicle mode. And Jetfire radios down, hey, is anything wrong? And Scattershot's like, everything is wrong, man. We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> Made me laugh. I do like that we get to see them transform underwater without the little transformation animation sting. Uh, but on the surface, Bud is like, ugh, I'll show you. So he jumps in the water and basically teaches them how to swim. Yeah, this is the breaststroke, and this is the front crawl, and this is the backstroke. And then it shows them doing it underwater. And like, oh, this is, they think this is like the greatest thing ever that they can move through water. And uh, Optimus says, without Bud's help, we'd have been sunk. And then one of them's like, oh, that was painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we cut then to the kids inside their minicons with the Autobots. They're all heading underwater. They're getting down. It's really getting deep and dark. So they turn their lights on. And this is when they start seeing all the, the mysteries of the deep of uh, the Bermuda Triangle. Basically, a blue whale and some wrecked ships. Yeah. And Kobe explains, you know, that it's just a whale. That thing lives down here. It's harmless. It's not going to hurt us. It's, it's an animal. And when you see Star Trek 4? <laughs> Landmine thinks it's amazing how many different life forms there are on Earth. And I like that. Vector Prime notices all the 
ship and plane wrecks on the bottom of the ocean. Okay, can we just acknowledge that, like, the Bermuda Triangle has no higher um, occurrence of plane crashes or shipwrecks It's than any other random place in the ocean. It's, I mean, it's closer to land, so not the middle of the ocean, but but it's it's just because it's got a name and some mythology built to it. It's because people look at it a lot that you see how how many there are. It's the it's the Florida man, uh, you know, local man does this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the the thing is that in Florida, uh, I'm gonna get some of this wrong, but in Florida, like every single uh, lawsuit or charge or anything like that is becomes a matter of like public record. So. All of the craziest things in Florida that happen that you happen in other places, but you don't hear about them because it just isn't, you know, public for newspapers. It gets published in Florida. That's it. My parents used to be snowbirds and Florida's fucking crazy. (laughs) But uh, again, Bud starts with the, oh, who knows what might be lurking down here shit to try and scare his brother. And he really doesn't need to try because Kobe is visibly shaking already. <laughs> like, he, he doesn't want to be down here. So they quickly find this pattern. Uh, Optimus and Landmine, somebody else, like, they clear the rubble away from the seal entrance, whatever this thing is. Um, and then the kids in the Minicons and, and Vector Prime go and find, I think they find another doorway. Yeah, well, it's some kind of a tunnel. And they head inside and find a door with what Vector Prime says are ancient Cybertron and symbols beside it. So he touches them, beep, boop, pop, door opens, uh, just as Megatron, Starscream, and Thundercracker arrive outside. Yep, and Megatron thanks them for finding the Omega Lock for him, saved him a lot of work, and Jetfire goes to blast him with both guns, but his weapons don't work underwater. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, so everyone yeah, squares that up. that episode of uh, G1 where they did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what, G1 got physics incorrect? Oh, um... But yeah, everybody squares off. There's a lot of punching and kicking. Um, it's kind of neat seeing Landmine get like a flying drop kick where usually he's, yes. you know, more ground-based because he's a little it's more solid. Um, Thundercracker right in the face. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Vector Prime and the kids, they get in, they open this door and they get inside a long hallway. Well, yeah, Kobe thinks they're in an airlock because they come oh, to yeah, another yeah. door and there's only one way to find out. Vector Prime puts his hand on the symbols by the second door and when he does the door behind them closes and the water starts to drain yes and this is when it it leads to said hallway uh it's a big long hallway scary they walk down it and they enter some kind of big like looks like a control room with a bunch of computers yeah well all the computers and furniture in there are sized for transformers and vector prime has safeguard he's here too now i guess fly off of his arm over to the controls and he activates something and they see optimus one of the monitors comes on and they see optimus fighting megatron outside so outside i think there's as many autobots as or is it it's maybe four on three i kind of i don't have it in my notes and i don't really care to be honest but what i noticed is that the autobots are getting their ass kicked and we've talked about this before about how it seems in this series the decepticons are a lot stronger than the autobots you know one-on-one which is why, like we saw, I think it was last episode, where all of the Autobots, four of them, like, powered up just to shoot Thundercracker once. It's kind of like in Animated, which admittedly chronologically comes after this, where one Decepticon is more than a match for two or three or even four Autobots. Which I do kind of like, but I also like it when there's not a lot of Autobots and they're they're outnumbered. Anyway, uh, we, where are we right now? Oh, oh, uh, we go back to this room and Safeguard has turned it on. And they, like you said, they see Optimus getting his ass kicked. And this is when Vector Prime realizes that 
and I like this, they're in a control room of a Cybertronian spaceship that used to fly up in the air as a flying city, but at some point crashed into the ocean, sank, and thus the myth of Atlantis was born. Mm -hmm. And back outside, Optimus is still getting bashed around by Megatron, and Starscream smashes Jetfire 1, and Megatron tells them to hand the Omega lock over. It's like, they don't have it, man. It's inside <laughs> there if it's here at all. Well, he so that's where he goes. Megatron heads into towards the control room, and Vector Prime, without any other ideas, just pushes a big button, <laughs> which activates the thrusters of the ship. Well, yeah, all the lights on the panels and computers light up, and uh, it starts lifting off, and he mentions something about, oh, I wish I knew how to fly this thing, and outside <laughs> things start shaking, and rocks start falling, and both sides decide, okay, time to get the hell out of here before we get flattened. And then Optimus comes up with a plan that that makes no sense. Yeah, he says if Atlantis reaches the surface, humans are going to see it, and we can't have that. So they need to get it to the surface, which he said they can't do. So Scattershot can cover it with jamming signals until they can get out the invisible paint. Yeah, yeah literally. So I, and, and then when they get up to the surface, which happens pretty quick, Scattershot does something. It doesn't really seem to do anything. I don't know how that... Whatever. This That's the <laughs> dumbest part of this episode. But it works, uh, except that the Decepticons are still flying out, you know, by the Autobots and they open fire again. Yep. And inside Vector Prime, he has to do something. So he just presses the same button again. And this time, <laughs> the entire city just disappears into a warp gate. So the Decepticons leave. They, I guess, just wanted the ship. But uh, on a nearby... Oh, uh, Optimus is like, we gotta go find the kids. But then we go to this nearby cliff by the ocean and there's some Transformer. He kind of looks pretty cool, I gotta be honest. Um, and he's talking about how these puppets are gonna do whatever I want them to do. And then he turns into a jet and he flies the fuck away. <laughs> Tens of thousands of years ago, this thing showed up on Earth, and I'm guessing it's around that long ago, based on the humans looking at it in the flashback we see, because they're holding spears and wearing long cloths. And when it crashed into the ocean, that's how the legend of the sunken city of Atlantis began. Well, what about when it was the flying city of Atlantis? Wasn't that noteworthy before it sank to the bottom of the sea? It seems to me that's an awfully important detail to leave out of the story. Archaeologists have found prehistoric paintings on cave walls. Well, you'd think something like a giant flying city, something they didn't even have on the ground back then, let alone in the air, would be something they'd sketch out. And then it sat for however many thousand years on the bottom of the ocean. But when Vector Prime and the kids get inside, lights are on, everything still works. So why didn't the ancient Autobots, or whoever they were, just fly the thing back out of the water way back when it crashed? If it works after all these years, couldn't have been too bad back then. Or was it intentional? Were they trying to hide it? Then what was the point in flying the friggin' thing around for who knows how long for everybody and their dog to stare and point at before sending it seaworthy? If you're gonna do it, do it at night, out in the middle of the ocean, you know, where Atlantis was supposed to be, and where there are no people to watch. Here we are at the end of another episode of the Transformers Nitpickers Podcast Show. This episode was deep. Paul, reach deep down and tell me what was good about this episode. I really liked how the Autobots had no idea what to do once they got in the water. It's like, oh! Wait a minute, we should have thought this through. Like, they don't know how to swim. They don't understand. Why are we sinking? Oh, wait, why are we floating now? Like, and then Bud has to show them this is how you swim. I, I kind of like that. This show does the kids teach Autobot thing pretty well in that it's never strategic or tactical stuff. It's always just, it's human things that you wouldn't know if you didn't grow up on Earth. It's things that a being from Cybertron would not know. Why yeah, would they? Right? Exactly. Uh, I, I did I did like that. It was That was a fun, fun and games moment. Um, the, uh, 
I said it before, but that black and orange transformer at the end, he looked pretty cool. He's probably going to be a dork, but he looked pretty cool. <laughs> or maybe talks and rhymes. Or something. Oh, God. Uh, it was a neat take on Atlantis. It raises way too many questions. Your rant addressed a lot of them. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially since they showed like ancient people looking up and seeing the flying city. Yeah, that's what I mean, right? Like you think if any... I mean, a lot of history from that time was never recorded, right? Everything was just passed along, you know, by word, but not written down. But you'd think that's the kind of thing they'd draw a picture of on the cave wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, that said, it was kind of, it was a fresh take on Atlantis being an ancient Cybertronian ship that's so large, it's like a human city. I, I mean, it was a, it was fresh. I haven't seen that before. That's a neat idea. Well, also where, um, I forget which one of them it was, overhaul maybe, but just amazed by the, just the variety of life forms on Earth when he sees the whale going by. Yes, that was actually really cool. They, they're they're all at the yeah the the plethora of life on Earth and the variety of it. Very cool. The next episode Paul and I are going to review is ship. If you were born on a higher ship, <laughs> then you. C- Watch the show or email uh, the show at transformersnitpickers at gmail.com. And make sure you rate and review us on your podcast app, whatever it is you listen to us with. And tell all your friends, tell everybody you know. You can tell them they can find old episodes of the Transformers Nitpickers podcast show at transformersnitpickers.podbean.com. And until the next episode, keep on transforming. See you later. Oh, I know why he's on our planet.